Italian is really the language where I have like it's more predominant in me and I feel like you see the actual me when I speak Italian but now that I live in Montreal I actually use English, Bengali, Italian and French pretty much equally. Seeing it, it was so beautiful and when we took this tour um, they also brought us to the Mayan villages which I felt it was probably the best experience. So during the week a mixture of both and then on the weekend it was strictly like in the in for lunch it was like let's say Bengali food and in the evening it had to be like Italian food either pizza or pasta. I would just say to people travel as much as you can eat as much as you can when you go to different places when in Rome do as the Romans do so always try to adapt yourself to the local standards and to get the most experience out of it. Welcome to the Winging It Travel Podcast with me, James Hammond, where every Monday I'll be joined by guests to talk about their travel stories, travel tips, backpacking advice, and so much more. Right now, I'm taking the podcast on the road traveling with me. So tune in every week for short form episodes detailing all my travels alongside my Monday guest episode. Are you a backpacker, traveler, gap year student, or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. This is a casual, informative podcast designed for you to inspire you to travel. There'll be stories to tell, tips to share, and experiences to inspire. Welcome to the show. Let's get into the episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode where I'm joined by Ermi Hossein, who is a blogger, self-published author, YouTuber, speaker, and mentor. Ermi works in the finance sector and helps empower women within that sphere and beyond, which is super cool. Today, we're going to talk about all those things and Ermi's travels to Bangladesh, Malta, Mexico, and the Dominican Republic. So, Ermi, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good, you? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Where in the world are you based right now? In Montreal, Canada. Oh, not too far from me, just down the road. How is Montreal these days? Uh, not too sure. It, it, we have a very weird summer, I feel like, because oh, okay. um, we usually used to have very hot summer, but I feel like because of the changes with the weather, the weather this year it's a bit funny mm. uh we do have very strong uh, rainy days and uh, it did rain yesterday to the point that sometimes we even lose electricity because it rains so so much oh, wow. uh we had a few months of very hot days and now it's like gloomy to this it's a little bit of like different things happening yeah. strange because we have had really good weather on our road trip so far until we got to Quebec province and it's just gone to rain. <laughs> exactly. You see? <laughs> it's like even a little bit cold. Yes. It's a little <laughs> bit cold too. That's another thing, which is like not normal. Because usually when we like we start wearing jackets and like yeah. something a little bit heavier towards end of September. And, be, and even September, sometimes it's warm. But I feel like already it's like the moment August came, we were already like wearing heavy things because <laughs> it gets really cold in the moment sometimes. Strangest thing. Can't work it out exactly yeah. unreal okay and let's kick off with some early travels mm -hmm. and then we're going to your current travels first off where did you grow up and what was travel like as part of your upbringing uh, i basically grew up in italy this is where i was born mm -hmm. uh, basically the whole story is that my parents they are both from bangladesh they got married and then they decided to move to italy so they moved to Sicily and then that's where I was born. And uh, since I was a kid, we used to travel. But the only reason we would travel, it was because they wanted me to know their culture. So they would bring me to Bangladesh to see what life was like, to meet like distance relatives, to meet relatives, to get to know a little bit about the culture and so forth. So when I was, um, when I was a kid, I used to go a couple of times to Bangladesh and then we used to travel uh, within Italy. So we moved from Sicily, we uh, moved to the north and when, once we moved to the north, we visited a couple of places in, um, in the northern part of Italy. So we went to Venice, we went to Como. I used to live in Milan when I was uh, in the northern part. We went to Switzerland and since we were in the north and it was closer to other places nearby, we also went to England. So we basically took time to visit parts of Italy. And then, of course, because they wanted me to know 
more about their culture and stuff like that then they brought me to bangladesh a couple of times oh wow got a few questions about that actually so italy why there quite interestingly because okay from a basic standpoint a lot of bangladeshis they go to england because there's a, a slight mutual language thing there right with the english but italy is an interesting choice yeah so basically what happened is back in the 80s and the 90s when my parents got married and they moved so they had some options in mind one of them mm -hmm. was italy one of them was england and and i don't know why they just decided to choose italy and i think also it was a bit easier to immigrate to italy back in the days so they moved to sicily so the immigration process was slightly easier with that said, my parents don't live anymore in Italy. They actually live in UK now. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So what happened is there was a big inflow of immigration back in the days. And then I would say around 2010, what happened is a lot of Bengali immigrants, they moved to UK. So basically those that were living in Italy, they moved to UK because it, like you said, there's this huge community of Bengali people in mm. England. But uh, this year I went back to Italy and I was in Rome and I noticed that there's still a big, big immigrant Bengali like uh, community there. And I was actually watching a documentary about it. And they said that during like the last three years, there was a big flow of uh, like immigration flow of people moving from Bangladesh to Italy. Like they were all moving to Rome. They have some moving in other parts of Europe, like Spain and Portugal. And I think they just like opened some like application immigration, like application for people to move and make them make it easier for them. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, so things have changed, but they're still the same in a way, you know, because people somehow they go all through Italy when it comes to moving somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I think the 80s were probably a difficult time to go to the UK. It wasn't a good time to be, probably, especially yeah. early 80s. But um, I think it got better towards the end. I was born in the 80s, I don't really know. But I think from what my parents said, it's quite a tough time. Um, but did your parents speak Italian when they moved? No. Oh, wow. Um... No, they, none of them spoke Italian. So what happened is my dad decided to speak Italian. So he was, so basically this is what he tells me is that he's probably one of the first few people that first moved to Italy. Mm -hmm. And then what happened is he decided to, to learn the language. And then from there, what happened is there was like other people moving mm -hmm. from Bangladesh and people would go to him when he was like, oh, I need to like, fill out the paper but I don't know what it means so they would all go to him for like translating things yeah so he was very well known in the community and then in the meantime my mom she never actually took classes to learn she, she would just pick some words based on what she would watch on tv yeah or I remember even at the beginning she would just use like <laughs> like she would just gesture things when she wanted to buy things and then when I started to go to school and learn the language then she would just use me as like the translator basically got it okay they now live in the UK so whereabouts do they live there they live in London London okay cool cool yeah, yeah. there's a big Bengali community there that's cool yeah it's unbelievable <laughs> yeah I used to yeah. live in I used to live quite near Southall in the west and that's like yeah I know it's a Southall. real good hub yeah, it's a good hub yeah. for like great food and stuff like that in that community. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And where does uh, Montreal and Canada come into it for you? It comes for personal reasons. So yeah, it just, I did, I moved for personal reasons and then I did my university here and I've yeah. been living here for a long time and I work in the financial sector. And you're a fully fledged Canadian passport holder? I am actually. I am oh, Canadian yeah? by law. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. That's what we're going for next year. Yeah, yeah so. get that passport. Nice, yeah. that's great. So you got like a mix of Bengali, Italian, now you got some Canadian thrown in there, maybe a little English culture in there as well. So a real good mix. Yeah, because I go back to visit my parents to UK, so there's a British side to it, I would say. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Okay, let's talk about your travels. So you mentioned early travels in Europe because of where you were based in Italy. Um, I actually want to touch on Bangladesh first, because obviously... It's not a country that's talked about that lot to go and travel to. India gets a lot of spotlight, if you like, next door. But Bangladesh, what are some of the things you think if people are going to Bangladesh should visit and places to, to check out? So that's a very good question uh, because 
I also would like to know myself because here's the <laughs> thing. Every time my parents would bring me to Bangladesh, it was never to visit things like touristic attractions. Okay. Like it was family never, just, it was yeah. never about that. So I feel right. like I always miss on that. Um, mainly they would make us experience the life of a local. So they would like, mm-hmm. we would like stay in villages. We would never stay in the city. Uh, we would behave like villagers, villagers, or I think that's how you say it. Um, we would basically like just stay in the villages and experience that kind of lifestyle. Right. And I remember having few culture shock when I went because it was just everything was just so different. Mm. Uh, there is a lot of crowd. There is a lot of poverty. There is a lot of nature. And as soon as you walk out from the from the airport, you see that there is so much like crowd around. Like it's like you have people, you have cars, you have rickshaws all in the same street. No one is following the the traffic lights. Like no one cares. And <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you see cows in the middle of the street. Oh yeah, classic. Yeah, classic. So yeah. that was um, a bit of a of a shock to me and I it was also shocked to seeing that much poverty because I was so not used to it and people actually come up to you and ask you for like money and you start feeling bad mm-hmm. and every time I went because I went four times it was always like I feel like it, it has always been that kind of experience but I also saw there was a little bit of progression in terms of like things that you can do like even like I would before when I would go, I would never go to a restaurant in Bangladesh. But now I feel like they have very good restaurants that you can try. And I spoke to someone who recently went and I saw some of her stories and things have changed. Like they have like spas. Oh. Uh, yeah. yeah, they have like spas. You can go to the beach. They have like actual twist, twist, um, twisting attraction that you can do. So I feel like I always wanted to see those kind of things. But because as parents, I think you want to teach your kids more about your like culture. Mm. We never get to experience that side of our country. So I miss on that in a bit because they really want us to like meet the family, people that you don't see often and get connected with them, learn about the culture, learn the language, speak the language. So most of the time it's really like spending time with family and attending those weddings, which are like big and huge, yeah. and, like long lasting for like five days or stuff like that. Awesome. And can you speak the local language when you go there? I do. I do yeah. because that's the language um, we spoke at home. Yeah. And how many languages can you speak in total? 4.5. <laughs> What's the 0.5? It's, just, it's Spanish. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. A little bit yeah. of that. Yeah. Okay. A little bit of that. English, Bengali, Italian, French. French. Okay. Which one are you yeah. most comfortable in, do you think? I would probably say Italian. Mm. Because that's almost like, I always say Tamil is like my adopted mother tongue, even though Bengali was my actual mother tongue. Mm -hmm. But I feel like Italian is really the language where I have, like it's more predominant in me. And I feel like you see the actual me when I speak Italian. Mm -hmm. But now that I live in Montreal, I actually use English, Bengali, Italian and French pretty much equally because... Oh, wow. I work in a French environment. Yeah. Um, I speak Italian with a lot of my friends and also my sister. Uh, some of my friends, with some of my friends, I speak English and French. So I, and I also speak Bengali with my parents. So I touch a little bit, like I do speak all of them pretty much equally, I would say. And for Bangladesh, what is like your favorite dish or cuisine that you like tasting there? I really like the chicken curry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I like chicken curry that my mom used to make. So it's like a lot of spices together. Yeah. And there is this other dish called korma. Oh, yeah. Korma, yeah. Also, which is also very good, especially mm-hmm. the way my mom makes it. Because they usually, like, usually people uh, use milk. But if you use, yeah. you can also use cream. Cream. Mm. And when you use cream, it just, it just makes it creamier and you eat it with basmati rice but the basmati rice is is um cooked differently than the regular rice like you have to use um this special butter which is called ghee to cook it so you're making pulao you're Mm -hmm. making pulao so it's pretty good to have kurma with pulao and a little bit of salad and i think that's like 
the best thing ever. So I really like that kind of uh, dish. And we also uh, make birani, yeah. uh, which is also like it's rice with like a little bit of vegetables and meat. Or you can also use shrimp. So you can either use chicken, beef or shrimp. And that's also very good when you have like a boiled egg or a curry egg with a little bit of salad. That's very interesting because I'm very interested also when you're growing up in Italy. I mean, Italy is routinely named on my podcast as the best cuisine by people. So you have right. that because you're living in the country, but also you have your parents cooking traditional dishes from Bangladesh. I mean, it's the best of both worlds. But did you always have Bangladeshi food at home or did your parents try to in- get you into the Italian food as well? So here's the thing. If you ask me what's my favorite food, I would tell you it's Italian. I'm oh, okay. big <laughs> on pasta. Yeah. I, I can I can breed <laughs> pasta and eat pasta every day. Yeah. So here's the thing. My parents always would always make Bengali food at home. And then there Got was it. me complaining and be like, no, I want pasta. So <laughs> every time I would come from school, I would yeah. go into a fight because I would see rice and I would be so upset about <laughs> it. So I would always tell them I want pasta. So Here's the thing. We had a mixture of both. So we had a little bit of Bengali food as yeah. well as um, Italian uh, food. Dream. So during the week, I would say I would have a mixture of both. And then on the weekend, it was strictly like in the in for lunch, it was like, let's say Bengali food. And in the evening, it had to be like Italian food, either <laughs> pizza or pasta. And because then I would get really grumpy. Like I would really get grumpy whenever I would not see pasta. Like if I eat rice straight for three days, it was hard on me. Oh, wow. Okay. Even, even now it's the same thing. I have to have a mixture of both. And yeah. in Bangladesh, this is one thing that you want to know is that when you go to someone's house, they might serve you like pasta with uh, spices. So it's like, uh, it's like, and I, I would like, I'd like to see it as a combination of Bengali and Italian type of food because mm-hmm. it's like, you can have instant noodles or like uh, pastas and they add eggs, they add uh, meat and some spices and yeah, chilies and then they cook it and yeah. like they cook it in like in oil and then they serve it as like a dessert, not the dessert, they serve it as a snack, like a 5 p.m. snack with tea. Wow. So that's one thing they do back at home in Bangladesh. So I, whenever I see that, I always think this is a fusion of like Italian and Bengali yeah. together. Yeah, yeah so which like- sounds like a dream combo. <laughs> Yeah, it, and it's pretty good. It's like, if you like a little bit of spicy, that's yeah. pretty good, I would say, yeah. Okay, and someone also told me that Bangladesh is rising in the coffee uh, scene. There's a few roasteries popping up in Dhaka and Chittagong that are starting to make really good coffee. Probably, yes, but one thing that I, because I wouldn't know it's been so long that I have not been there, but one thing that I can definitely say is that in Bangladesh, you can expect to have very good chai, yeah, uh, which is like um, it's like tea with milk, but it's mm. it's you add so many spices and it just yeah. tastes so good. And love it. Having chai, it's like a thing. Like in every single, like if you go to a Bengali person's house, that's the first thing they will serve you. It's like, do you want chai? And that's like part of the customs, that's part of the culture, the tradition. And the same thing when you go to Bangladesh, even when you go to a restaurant, they never serve you coffee, they serve you tea. Mm-hmm. But probably what you're saying about the coffee, it could have changed that now they have like places for people to have coffee. But I wouldn't know because I it's been just way too long that I've not been there. Mm. Yeah, someone who's also from Bangladesh, she told me that. Yeah, she said that this is starting to come into the culture, especially yeah. the younger generation, I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's yeah. great. That's awesome. Okay, we're going to move on to another travel of yours, just next door to Italy as Malta. And the reason I chose this one is because this is a very interesting country, but they're kind of almost slightly forgotten, I think, to travel in Europe. Even I'm like, oh yeah, Malta's down there. Like, why have I not gone there? But what's your experience of traveling in Malta? Yeah, I had this travel with my... I went there in 2019 and I went with my sister and my cousin and we stayed there for like three days and we were choosing from different destination Mm -hmm. and then we were like oh how about Malta I mean it's like it seems interesting but we're also not too sure about it yeah and uh, so when we got there basically it it has a little bit of that I want to say Italian touch but not really too much so right people they speak their own language and honestly like it, it was hard for me to even understand what they were saying um and it's it's a sm- very small island like I, we did a couple of like um 
attraction and main places like we went to Valletta we went to Gaza I think that's how it's called mm -hmm. and everything is just you can do this very easily in like a couple of days you don't need that many days and uh, we went to the beach which was very very nice I think it's pretty well known for like the beaches that, that they have and yeah. I don't know if it gets a lot of tourists that's another thing too because mm. when we went Yes, we saw some tourists, but not as much. And I don't know why. And I don't know if they leave off tourism. That's another thing. Because I remember walking there and just wondering, like, where are their offices? Where are their schools? Where are their hospitals? Like, where, how are people living, you know, in these uh, places? And I remember the day we were leaving, we had to take the bus and it never came. <laughs> it never I came. So we were sort of like panicking, was like, what the hell is, what's going on, where's the bus? So the bus like never, never came, we had to take a taxi and um, they do have a lot of Italian restaurants and I think it's because of the, like, because Italy is like so close by, mm. it's so close by to to Sicily. So you, we did meet some Sicilians when we were there yeah. who run Italian restaurants and and I felt I had very authentic Italian food. Like we had cacio e pepe, we had pasta, oh. pasta al pesto, and it was very, very delicious. Um, but yeah, like Malta, I feel like it's so not well known. Like sometimes we even forget that it's there because it's just so small. It's just so far from everything that, mm. you know, people usually stop to Italy, but they don't go like a bit further to go to Malta, which I think, I still think it's worth visiting yeah. uh, because it has a couple of things that you can do. Like we visited, as I said, Valletta. We also took the little, um, it's like not the boat, but we took like the little, um, the ferry to go from one side of the island to go to the other side. We also yeah. took a little boat and we went inside like, um, caves and they oh. have really nice beautiful beaches like it's crystal clear the mm. only downside is that it has jellyfish so oh. they make you always aware that be like be careful when you go to the water because they that they do have jellyfishes that's the only thing and it get it's really hot it's very hot in malta okay yeah it's always kind of been on my radar but never really got an opportunity to go there and I imagine maybe like as a winter break in the Northern Hemisphere, it must be fairly mild in the winter, right? If you want a bit of sun. Exactly. Because, you know, I grew up in Sicily and since mm. Sicily is not that far from Malta, like it, it would never get really cold in Sicily. Like right. what, what's our winter? Like it's like 15 probably, mm. which is still like really nice compared to Canada. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing in Malta too. Like if you have fairly, fairly mild winters and I wouldn't even call like to call the winters pro like more like spring, I would say. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a good destination, but I, I feel like it's like, it's one of those places that you would like to just visit once in your life, but okay. you, you, you would not like to go back. That's how I feel about it. Right. And I do know that their national dish is rabbit stew. Did you have some of that? No, I did not because we had no clue what was the national <laughs> yeah. dish. Okay. So, and, and because my cousin and my sister, we were all born in Italy, we just yeah. we were just craving Italian food the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's not a bad place to get Italian food, I should say. It's right next no. door. So Yeah, exactly. It's not that's that decent. bad. Yeah. Uh, I also think it was one of the heaviest bombed places in World War II, I think, if not the heaviest bombed, I believe so because uh, it was a british colony and it's a british outpost uh -huh. obviously it, it sat in that awkward area of italy being obviously with germany at the time and we we're in north africa like it's in that middle bit right the, yes. so i think it's it's fought over quite a bit um unfortunately yeah. Um, but yeah and i have like one roundabout or something i think there's like another random fact i think i remember they do have a roundabout i remember seeing it i think it's like one i think it might be the only one there might be more now i'm not sure but i think that's a fact from the past as well yeah yeah probably yeah <laughs> interesting <laughs> place yeah i think i want to go and just check out valletta and then around the, the island i think yeah 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 and it's the maltese language i think is a mix isn't it of everything yeah it's a mix of everything it was like different yeah so yeah. it's great it's got its own culture that's great yeah, yeah need to check exactly. that out exactly yeah okay let's move on to another country the dominican republic so we're switching <laughs> the other side of the world a little bit to the Caribbean um when did you go there and my actual question with Dominican Republic is kind of known as like a honeymoon resorty place but did you feel like you could travel on the island without doing that that's the thing I went uh, last year and I just sticked to to a resort okay yeah 
Yeah. So basically, because like I got this package deal where you could just have this experience for five days in a resort, and that's where we stayed. And mm-hmm. it was again with my sister. And uh, and because we were two girls traveling, there was a little bit of like you know that worry that you know if you get out of like the resort, you know things might right. happen. We do not speak the language. And prior to going there, I went to Mexico. So when I, I went to Punta Cana, I basically stayed in a resort and I had a little bit of like experience of like what, how locals live. And I mm-hmm. really feel like it, it is a very poor country because um, we had at some point some local vendors coming inside the resort where who were, who were trying to sell out stuff and they were literally trying everything to sell it. Yeah. And uh, so that was one thing. And also... I remember like when I would see how it was outside the resort, I could see that there was a lot of poverty. Mm. Like uh, I feel like people were struggling with like access to the water. Some of the infrastructure wasn't as developed. I remember wanting to go out to do something, but there was of course that fear. And uh, I can definitely say that people in Punta Cana are very like uh, flirty. They all try to like flirt with people. That's another thing. Yeah, okay. that's that's very like that's one thing that I had to be like aware of uh, when I was there. But they do have really nice beaches. I would say yeah. it's probably one of the best. I would say that was so nice, and uh, we also got to meet people from. There were also that's another interesting thing that I f- felt is that there were actually locals taking vacations in the resort in Punta Cana. So they would come oh. from like, let's say Santo Domingo and yeah. take like a few days there. And we met an actual family from Santo Domingo and they were like, yeah, we just want to take some rest. So we will stay. So we're staying here. And I don't know if it's because it's cheaper for them. I don't know if it's, I don't know for whatever reason, but we mm. met a couple of them from the actual, like from Dominican Republic staying in some of the resorts. Because usually you see tourists, but we actually met people from Dominican Republic. That's interesting that the locals are taking a break into the like resorts. That's uh, I wonder what the reason is for that. Maybe it's just they can just like relax totally. Like I don't know. Maybe it's easier to get obviously the meals. They can chill out by a pool or the beach. There's no one really pesting them. I don't know. I'd be intrigued yeah. to see why that was. I I don't know. I don't know either. But um, yeah. And even another thing that I noticed is that because I said before, like I can speak a little bit of Spanish but their Spanish was also very different from the Spanish that I heard in Mexico so it's like ah. it's like different. I could distinguish the difference so it was a slightly different and another thing is that I've never seen people from, how people from the uh, Dominican Republic look like but they're not so different from how I look like they have a very like uh, dark uh, tone scheme they have mm-hmm. dark hair curly hair so what happened is because it's so hot and it's so humid my hair would get just automatically like curly yeah and of course because of the sun I would get suntan and stuff like I would get like a suntan and then people would approach me and just speak to me in uh, in Spanish <laughs> thinking that I was from Punta Cana yeah. and they would actually ask me like are you from here because you look like from like you're from one and I could see that you know they're not so different from like like some of them they could actually look their Bengalis that's the thing oh, wow. that's how I felt yeah oh, that's interesting yeah. and then as a side note I think they've got a new low-cost airline it's called Arajet I don't know if you heard about those guys. And there is Sun, Sunwing as well. Ah, yes, Sunwing, yeah. Sunwing, yeah. Uh, a, a contact at Aerojet keeps emailing me about the discounts. So basically, for anyone in Canada, where you mm. where you are, Montreal and Toronto, I think they're doing really cheap flights to the Dominican Republic. So I think yeah. it's a good option for people to have a break and not spend too much on a flight. Exactly. Same time zone, I think, as well. That would be handy. Yeah, either it's the same time zone or it's an hour. Okay. behind or something because i know mexico was an hour behind yeah okay uh next is mexico so you went Mm -hmm. to there from mexico i mean mexico is a huge country Uh, where did you prioritize to go and see so in mexico i stayed in a resort but i actually went outside Mm -hmm. i i actually did visit a little bit outside so i went so basically i went to cancun which is basically the main location where everyone goes Mm -hmm. and over there the experience was amazing like the experience in the resort was the best I would say like people like Mexican people are just so welcoming and friendly Mm -hmm. and warm I love that and the beach of course is really really nice when I went they had an issue with seaweed so 
at the at the beach he would have a lot of seaweed so they would clean it in the morning but the whole like service experience was great and I also went outside of the resort twice so the first time we I went to uh to Chichen Itza which is a one of their attractions so we had mm -hmm. like a tour guide and he explained us like the whole story behind uh, the whole history behind the uh, Chichen Itza and it was just so hot and full of like tourists that they remember like it was <laughs> it was unbelievable but seeing it it was so beautiful yeah and when we took this tour um they also brought us to the Mayan villages which I felt it was probably the best experience because mm. I saw how people live there like in the most authentic way so we went to like those Mayan villages and we had a meal there so they eat a lot of rice with eggs and beans and I think a little bit of vegetables so it was, it was different it was interesting and we also got to meet people from from there and they don't speak Spanish they actually speak the Mayan language so it was like ah. different it's like oh wow it's like not close to anything no no yeah it must be like pre yeah. well it's like, obviously pre-colonization but like yeah it must be just yeah. years and years back yeah yeah, it's like close to nothing. And that was a very good experience because it also looked different mm. from other Mexicans. I think they live just so far away from like from like other places that their face are a little bit more like rounder. They even their body type, it's like rounder, they speak a different language and they live in these like little villages. And even there, I feel like um, as soon as you move from the resort, you see you see a little bit like how people from there they leave so there's still you still see a little bit of poverty but i would say slightly better than dominican republic and so depending on some areas that you go you could see like uh some people living in just small houses with no access to anything and then you have those that still have you know a little bit of like electricity water and stuff like that and then I also went to Playa del Carmen, which is which wasn't so far from the from the resort. And even there, it was different. Definitely, there was a lot of tourists. So we went to like the main street that has a lot of um, stores, and they have these like international like clothing stores, like H and M. I think uh, there was H and M, and there was like Zara or something. So they had those main like stores, but it's very like touristy. So it's it's like safe I felt it was pretty safe but it was very like it was like such a touristic area that you know you could see a little bit about how people were leaving you could see like a few Mexicans you could see some tourists and then there was like the beach where people were playing volleyball mm. and so I felt it was pretty good experience but I would say my best experience was when I went to the Mayan villages and met people from there it was like different and new for me yeah we had that similar experience that you mentioned about the language when I went to Peru when they help you trek Inca Trail, they have porters and chefs and stuff that take all the stuff up with you. Those guys, um, not the guides, the guides are Spanish. Right. Even, so they speak Spanish and English. Porters and the chefs, they're Quechua. So Quechua language, again, is indigenous, I think, to Peru. Um, I guess it goes back to the Inca days, a bit like the Mayan language that mm -hmm. just is not close to anything. Mm -hmm. um, so we had to speak English to the guide. And the guide would then translate that into Quechuan. And I was thinking just how cool it would be just to learn a little bit of their language, just to interact with them, because they can't even interact that well with the guides because they don't speak that great Spanish. Maybe the chef did. I think the chef spoke Spanish, uh, but the rest of them were quite shy and just like, it's like two languages removed, right? They can't really speak Spanish that well and definitely not English. Um, so that's quite an interesting experience. I thought if I do that again or something like that, I need to learn the actual local language so we can get just a few sentences together. Yeah, definitely. Peru is on my bucket list. Like I saw when I visited one day, I just, I keep watching a lot of documentaries about mm. Peru and I, I'm in love with how colorful their cuisine is and the different kinds of potatoes they have. I'm like, <laughs> how? Like, it's just so interesting. And their food, food is like fresh and yeah. flavorful. Always I fresh. like that, yes. Yeah, I wasn't a big foodie back in those days, but I think now I'd appreciate it a bit more, but it is so fresh. Yes. And actually Mexican food, how did you find that? That's the thing about the resort because they just make it so touristy that I feel like you can never experience the local food. Ah, uh, yeah, makes sense. That, that's yeah. the only issue. But I, I did appreciate the food that I had when I was at the Mayan village because we had rice with beans and eggs, which was okay. I feel like it wasn't like 
it was it was still good I still appreciate it because it was different it was something new to me so um because in the when we were in the in the resort we had tacos but then I was like <laughs> this tastes the same as like having tacos in Montreal so. yeah it's probably like Tex-Mex type stuff right <laughs> yeah so <laughs> yeah that's fair enough I think one of the key things is trying to get out to a market isn't it in Mexico and have like a local uh, market food or traditional yeah. food it's yeah. got to be a dream okay I want to just touch on Canada do you have any favorite spots as you live there yes in Canada I visited I went to Ottawa I went to Quebec City I went to Toronto so I really like Quebec City because mm -hmm. it has that a very like European vibe yeah and I town. feel like old town exactly so I actually stayed uh when I went to Quebec City I stayed in downtown in Old Port in the Fer Fairmont Hotel oh you and, stayed there uh, yeah. I stayed there yeah I stayed there and so we were facing the water I was like okay that's great and yeah. I feel like I felt like it has changed through years and it, they made new things like you have a lot of restaurants they have a lot of things to do. You mm. can like you can take a lot of walk in the old area of Quebec City. So it's it's really nice and it's very French Quebec City. Yeah. So I really like that. And I also like Toronto, but Toronto it's more because I feel like it's very, very multicultural Toronto. And when it comes to like finding Russians, you have a bit more option compared to Montreal and you have a little bit of more of like halal options, especially for people that are like Muslim and so forth and yeah. who might find it hard. I feel like you have Korean halal food or, you know, that that's the Chinese halal food, which is very good. And it's full of Russians. And I, and I like how it re resembles a little bit of New York because I love New York. And mm -hmm. this is what I like about Toronto, that it has that little bit of, um, a little bit of like New York touch yeah and of course in Tor like Toronto you can do so many things like you know you can visit the downtown Toronto area you can go to Niagara Falls there is a lot of things to do and uh, and I also like in especially like here in Canada I feel like you can do a lot of hikes yeah and so there are so many places nearby where you can go for a hike and I I like going to Mont Tremblant which is, I don't know if you've ever been, but it's basically like two hours away from Montreal. And it's like, so basically how it works is that during the winter, people go for skating, people go for mm. snowboarding, people go for skiing. And it has like, it has like a village. It's like Montreal oh, village. Yeah. So where okay. you have like stores, restaurants, and you can have a hot chocolate, you can take a walk and you can go for skiing and stuff like that. And then during the winter, it's literally just restaurants and then what you do is that you can go for a hike like you can go on top of the mountain mm. so i really like that about um Mont Tremblant. and then i feel like i feel like every season you can do something so of course during winter activities that's what you can do on Mont Tremblant. and during when when during the summer you can do that and then of course you can go for for a hike and i also like during the fall going for apple picking oh and okay like yeah I feel there are places nearby where you can go to the farm and go for apple picking. And so it's an actual like whole new level of experience. So mm. you go, you buy this bag of like apples, you basically buy the bag and then you go like around different trees and each tree has a different kind of apple and they explain <laughs> you what kind of apple it is oh, and wow. you pick it from the tree. And then once you're done with the apple picking, they have like a um, coffee shop where you can sit down and have like locally produced food so you have like apple tarts uh you can have apple pie anything based with apple and that's like the nice experience about it and then you have a little farm with actual animals like shapes or cows or you know and that's another nice thing i would say okay and just very quickly before we get on to uh the stuff that you do professionally what's next for your travels that's a good question you know <laughs> like i i just came back from italy and i went to rome oh, yeah. and florence and i went to lisbon and i'm like a bit homesick because I do consider Italy my home. Oh yeah. So now in my mind, I'm like brainstorming idea. I'm like, where do I go? So there are a few places that I would like to visit. So one of them is, as I said, Peru. Mm -hmm. I would like to go to Brazil. I would like to go to Bali and I would like to go to Maldives. And they oh. all have like different reasons because yeah. uh, Peru, of course, I think it's because of those the cuisine and I think the culture uh that that's the reason why i would like to go and see how it is uh 
Bali, it's more for that. I feel like it's that country where you get so spiritual for some reason. Like that's how <laughs> I associate it in my mind. And Maldives, I saw so many pictures about the beach, and oh. apparently, like I think you ha- you need a you have to go to the resort, or I don't know where with the plane because there is no land. I don't know. That's what I heard. I yep. don't know if it's true. Yeah, yeah. And yep. it has like sharks in the water. So oh, yes. yeah. yeah. So it's like different. So I would like to see it. And I heard it has like the most beautiful beaches as well. So I'm very uh, curious about it. It's a great four. Yeah, yeah. Very eclectic. Yeah. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Um, you work in uh, leadership and finance and you mentorship as well. You like empowering women, which is great. Can you tell us a little bit how you do that professional life? Yeah, so I do work in finance. I do work in the financial sector, but then I do have some things that I do on my own as a hobby. So I have a blog where basically I try to empower women with the knowledge that I share, but I'm also part of two different organizations. One of them is called Women in Leadership, and it's an organization based in Canada. And I, we every city has a, um, has a chapter. And so what we do is that we each chapter has a group of like people that run the organization. So I'm the social media lead. And what I do is that I handle the Instagram account of the um, of the organization. And what we do is we have Instagram lives. We post things about events that we do. And one of them that we just had was um, basically the Women in Leadership Day, which happened two months ago, where we had and it was a networking opportunity for people, for women to come together and learn from other uh, speakers about their experience working in different industries. And we also have a program coming up in um, in a, about a month, which is the leadership development program, where women can sign up to this program and we help them to work on their leadership skills. Because the whole purpose of women in leadership is really to promote mo- more women in leadership positions. And for 100 Women in Finance, which is another organization I mentor. So I mentor this young girl who, who wants to work in finance and who wants to study in finance. So I share my advice, my guidance. And sometimes she wants to know things related to like career in finance, like how can I find a job and things like that. So that's how I empower, I empower women. And you're also a panel speaker as well. Yes, I was invited for... 100 women in finance to be part of this panel speaker mm-hmm. uh, to share my experience along with other professionals in the industry about like what it was for me to find a job in finance what it takes for me to stay in finance what skills do I need to stay in finance so I shared that a couple of months ago when I was part of this uh, this this event and how can someone maybe get in contact with you if they want you to become their mentor so here's the thing. It depends on like if they want to be part of the 100 women in finance, for yeah. instance, and they want to have me as a mentor. Usually how it works is that for students, it's free to sign up to this organization. So you sign up to the organization and then they have like a program mentorship program where basically they have to complete a questionnaire and then they get matched with someone with the same okay. interest. Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. Um, so that would be my advice to do it. Um, there is also another organization called Femme Palette, where again, they sign up and then again, they have to complete a questionnaire and then they can match with someone. So it's not necessary. They can get direct contact with me unless we share the same interest and knowledge, basically. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And finally, what kind of urged you to do not just your role professionally, like your job, but also do this extra stuff for women in your sector? I think it was because I was just driven by my own personal experience because I don't know if you know but especially in the South Asian culture there's a little bit of double standards and women are not seen the way I would want them to be seen there is a little bit of inequality I would say and because of that I was like this has to change Mm. it has to change there's this notion that you know every single thing that you want to do as a woman you cannot do it unless there is a male figure next to you but we have to really like who says that and so that's what I've been trying to do. This is what I would say made me start doing the things that I do now. Okay. And you mentioned before you do blogs and stuff like that. Where do you post your blogs, uh, like website or social media? So my blog is called myways.cs. So that's my own blog where I post more like um, twice a month. Um, and I also have a YouTube channel called Urmi Hosain. And the YouTube channel is more about interviews that I do with people that teaches languages. 
that okay. teach languages. Yeah. Yeah. Or also interviews about people who work in finance. And then I also have my, um, I have my LinkedIn account, which is called Urmi Hosan. And usually have people connect with me if they want to have an advice from me or guidance. And I, I'm more than happy to share the knowledge. And of course, I have um, I have my book, which is available on Amazon, which is called Discovering Your Identity, A Rebirth from International Struggle. And I also have two ebooks on Amazon. One is about personal branding. And the second one is about the expression that you need to know if you're traveling to Italy for the first time. Oh, wow. OK, I yeah. need to find those uh, links and put them in the show notes. So three yeah. books, as in that's my next question is your books. Uh, so traveling to Italy for the first time. That's an interesting one. Yes. Is that quite an interesting one because you grew up there? You, you can imagine someone visiting there as a tourist and like, oh, you need to know these things. But your aspect is probably a bit different because you grew up there. Yeah. So I never thought about creating one. But then I had a bunch of friends coming to me and be like, oh, you know, I'm traveling to Italy. And they're like, oh, what is it that I need to know? So yeah. because I had like two, three people coming to me, ask me the same question. I was like, oh, maybe that's something that I could work on. And so that's why I was like, let me just see if I can create a small booklet, easy, that people can use if they're going to Italy for the first time that they yeah. can like keep in hand and keep it handy and use it to communicate with people. Like simple things such as, you know, how do you order food in a restaurant or how do you ask for directions and stuff like that. We're going to finish the episode with some quick fire travel questions. <laughs> so these are like your favorite things that you've experienced whilst traveling. Should I so, be nervous? No, no they're, they're, they're good fun questions. The first question is, hey, yeah, just a quick one. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5. Or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with Public where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as T-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Simply just search for Winging It Travel Podcasts, and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for traveling, podcasts, and other stuff. Thank you. It's travel question time. Three favorite countries that you traveled to, and you can't include countries that you lived in. Uh, New York, mm -hmm. Barcelona, and Switzerland. Okay, three countries that you would like to travel to next, in order. Anywhere in the world, if like if like tomorrow you can go anywhere, what top three would it be? Okay, so there is uh, South Africa. Yeah. South Korea yeah, and Vietnam. Okay. If you could pick one city in the world to drink a coffee and watch the world go by, where are you going to sit? Rome. Good place. And which country has the best coffee? Italy, no. Hey, <laughs> 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 <Wait>, yeah. hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, three favourite international cuisines that you can't obviously include ones that you already eat so that rules out bengali rules out italian because you grew up with them so three other ones oh my that's so hard okay so you made my life so hard right now <laughs> um definitely ramen that's something that i really oh, yeah. enjoy ramen yeah. i very much enjoy afghani food oh nice yes yeah and I would say, I'll probably say sushi. Okay. They're yeah. three good ones. And what about a favorite beach? You make my life so hard, honestly. <laughs> so because I have only seen like few countries with beaches, I I would just go for now with the beaches that I've seen in Cancun, which are very pretty. Okay. They're very and pretty. What is your favorite landmark? Can be nature or man-made? I very much like the Colosseum in Rome. Yeah. Actually, so, no, I have two. I have two. Yeah, what's it? The second one is the Duomo in Florence. I, I felt that's what aesthetically so pretty. <laughs> the Duomo, the Duomo, it's like in the, in like in downtown Florence. Yeah. It's just so pretty. The cathedral, so pretty. Okay. If you could pick one country to live in for a year that you've not lived in before, where are you going to live? I would probably say New York. Oh, yeah. I would say New York, but because that's coming from an Italian telling you this. And I think as Italian, we all grew up watching American movies and mm -hmm. we 
we've watched a lot movies set in New York. And I think it's probably the dream of an Italian person to visit New York. And so when I have actually seen it, I was just so in love with it. It is actually like in the movies. And I know how it, I kind of felt how it is the lifestyle in New York, which is a little bit chaotic and always moving. But I, I think it's like to try it for, in, for a year, it's, it's good enough. Okay. And two more questions. A favorite walk, trail or hike that you've done? I like the one in Montreal. To, there is a, a park called the Memorial Park, which brings you like on the top of the mountain. And once you reach the top of the mountain, there is a chalet. And from this chalet, you see the whole view of the city. Oh, I wow. love that one. Yes. I have to check that one out. Okay. It's pretty. And lastly, if you could give a few sentences as to why someone should travel, if they're not sure of how or why they should do it, what would you say to those guys? I would say you travel to expand your knowledge and to enrich yourself and experiences make you richer than you think. Very efficient. I love that. Okay. I mean, thanks <laughs> for the chat. It's been a great chat. Thanks for coming to the podcast. Thank you. I would just say to people, travel as much as you can. Eat as much as you can when you go to different places. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. So always try to adapt yourself to the local standards and to get the most experience out of it. Awesome. Great words to finish on. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my Winging It Travel podcast episode today. You can find me on Instagram at James Hammond Travel or Winging It Travel podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode, as well as photos from the last eight to 10 years of my travels. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook, and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel Podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website, jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels, and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe, stay humble, keep listening, keep traveling, and I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.